When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, it's time for the second edition of the Penn State Blitz podcast. I'm Bob Flounders, joined in the studio by one of the world's greatest college football recruiting experts, Greg Pickle. It's finally Idaho week, Penn State's opener. A lot to get to. We're going to start with James Franklin's quarterback decision, what it means for Sean Clifford and Will Levis. We're going to talk about the new depth chart that's out and some people that made moves up the depth chart and down the depth chart. We're going to look at the true freshmen who might be playing on Saturday. And as always, we finish with the Penn State mailbag. Okay, Greg, the decision's in Friday. Around five o'clock, mm-hmm. just when we were hoping it would come out, James Franklin, who seventy-two hours earlier, right, said, "Haven't even thought about it. Why yes. would I think about it? It's not a big, you know. We haven't even had a, a discussion as a staff, right? Named Sean Clifford the starter to the surprise of virtually no one over mm-hmm. Will Levis. Um, thoughts just on the timing of it. It came a day after former Penn State quarterback Tommy Stevens right. uh, got Mississippi State job. Yeah, no doubt. So, so is that a coincidence? And what did you make of the timeline that led to this decision? Yeah, I mean, I think they knew all along that Clifford was more experienced, that he was the older guy, that he was the one that was running first team really since uh, spring practice when Tommy yeah. Stevens was limited. So I don't necessarily think there was any sh- – I guess I can look at it from the perspective of what conversation really was there to have. The only conversation they had to have was about the timing and the messaging of it. And Mm -hmm. when they tell Sean, when they tell Will, and when they would put it out in, you know, public. So uh, it makes sense to me, I guess, to wait until Friday. I'm not sure about the 515 part of it, but um, it was a very low key announcement. And I think Sean Clifford's a pretty low key guy in a lot of ways, except when he's on the football field. So it was just like we expected all along. Um, You know, Will Levis is uh, clearly a talented guy, but Mm -hmm. I think we both agree that. From what we saw, which again is not yeah. the biggest sample size, but there was just a little bit, it's tentative, the right word, um, you know, unsure, uncertainty maybe when he was in the pocket. And you could just yeah. easily pick up on the fact that Sean Clifford had been in game action before mm-hmm. and Will Levis, you know, was just getting adjusted to what it's like for Etor Gross Matos to be flying at him and things like that. Yeah. And I think the other thing that probably hurt Will a little bit is, you know, Will's a smart kid. He knew that coming out of spring, he was going to have to beat Sean Clifford out. It wouldn't be if it, they were even. I think Sean was going to get the job. So, you know, and James had said that Sean had gotten a little bit more of the first team reps. So I think there's a natural tendency to press knowing right. that you have to kind of do something great, really, to got to get the coaching staff's attention. Yep. It just didn't look that way when we saw them. And to be fair, we only saw practice 15 minutes a week. Right. Um, very limited, but Sean certainly did some good things when we saw him. He did some good things in the spring. Right. Uh, you saw Will Levis's arm in the blue white game, mm-hmm. the long pass to Dan Chisena, but he just had the feeling that James, it was going to take a lot to, t- to change the mind of both James right. and offensive coordinator Ricky Ronnie. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just wonder, like in the history of quarterback competitions, right. when has the guy going into it really been unseated? It, right. I, I just think that the writing is always on the wall. They're right. trying to encourage the number two, the number two yep. guy if they like him. So 
uh, congratulations to Sean. Mm-hmm. I'm also uh, looking forward to seeing what Tommy Stevens can do down at Mississippi State. Um, a fifth-year kid who really never got his chance here at Penn State. Reunited with Joe Moorhead. I'm sure Penn State fans are kind of be kind of keeping tabs on that as well. But I think one of the bigger questions uh, in this day and age with the transfer portal now mm-hmm. looming um, is what happens to the loser of a quarterback battle. Right. Like, wh- what do you do? I think a lot of it's dependent upon how young the kid is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would think, Greg, that in almost every case, the loser of a quarterback battle, um, if he's graduated and has multiple years left, and yeah. he knows the starter probably has multiple years left, he's invariably, isn't he going to look to move on? And do you think, yeah. is, is it going to take some work for James and his staff to keep Will in State College? I mean, I think the question that is always going to come up in this situation, Bob, is does the guy uh, want to sit out a year? Does he have a case for an immediate eligibility waiver if he doesn't want to sit out a year? Or is he going to stick it out until he can grad transfer and – He's not going to hope for an injury, but he's going to hope for something to come up that gets him onto the field, and maybe that changes his outlook with the current program. I mean, anymore, we see a lot of guys, as soon as they lose that competition, they go right into the transfer portal. Some of them are older guys, though, who could grad transfer, could finish out a semester, get their degree in the winter, and then move on. Will Levis is obviously not at that point. So it'll be interesting to see what the offseason holds for him. I mean, obviously, as James Franklin said on Tuesday, disappointment, I think, would have to be the word for him to to compete for this job and not win it. And now know that, you know, there's a guy, a pretty young guy in right. front of him um, that could be here for a few more seasons. So, yeah, it's something that Penn State, of course, hasn't necessarily dealt with in terms of, you know, the outcome of the battle, because Tommy Stevens left before the battle even started. Right. Um, so, it's almost like a re-recruitment, I think, for James Franklin and his staff. And, and Will Levis, you know, as far as we know, he's done everything they've asked of him and he will continue to do so. But it's unfortunately something that has to be discussed at this point, just the way college football has transformed in the last 12 months. Yeah, the other thing is that Will doesn't really, you know... He- I wouldn't say he was a heralded recruit when he came right. to Penn State. He was a quality recruit. Yep. I don't know that he was coveted by a lot of major schools. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of tape out there on Will Levis. Right. So if he would decide or think about maybe moving on, he would almost have to go, I think, to a program that's not as strong as Penn State's. Because right. no matter where you go, there's going to be competition at quarterback. Tommy right. Stevens had to beat out a kid that was pretty talented at Mississippi State. And he turned around and he immediately answered, right. uh, entered the transfer portal. But I just think when you're talking about about quarterbacks you're going to see you're going to have to see programs recruit multiple quarterbacks every year and mm-hmm. just kind of be prepared to lose them hopefully will stay and who knows i mean we're we're probably getting ahead of ourselves um there's a long season to go there's no guarantees that he won't be in there for one reason or another this year right uh so let's just see it play out but i'm just i, I just wonder you know what's going on maybe inside his mind how long is he prepared to be patient right and wait because you know once james is named a starter traditionally it's been tough to unseat him if he's named him like with Trace McSorley, Tommy was never going to unseat him. Right. James could talk about competition all he wants, but he's, he talks about it all the time. He, he's big on experience and what they've done. And he's, he's a pretty loyal guy, one quarterback guy. So got to hope for the best for Will Levis and maybe he'll get a chance. But I mean, it looks like it's a pretty bright future. I would say for Sean Clifford right here at Penn state, let's move uh, along to the depth chart. Yes. Uh, finally, we got our first depth chart of the regular season uh, recently. How many did you get right between your predictions and what actually ended up 
play I, out. I, I, I don't like to put a number on it, but actually I was pretty close. I was, I did miss a couple. I think, I think bo- most people, when you looked at the depth chart, mm-hmm. I think what people wanted to see were, there were a couple battles we talked about in training camp with mm-hmm. right guard and safety, third wide out. The other thing was who, where, who are the, who are the freshmen that are going to make the depth chart? Right. So there wasn't really a lot of surprises, but let's just talk about some of the main battles we talked about, Greg. Yeah. And I'll just get your reaction to them. First of all, Penn State's third wide out. You, you knew that Jahan Dotson and KJ Hamler were two of the three. Yeah. Um, this is one thing that I might have gotten a little bit wrong, although I think maybe Penn State pulled a fast one on us. We didn't see Justin Shorter in practice really run. He Correct. was always on the sideline, yep. but he is the first team wide out. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, I think Pat Fryermuth talked about and James talked about, he made a lot of plays in August camp. Yeah. Five star recruit. You had talked about Daniel George. Yeah. Are they going to play six? Are they going to lean on three? And what do you think Justin Shorter can do this year if he can stay healthy? I think that yeah, obviously the sky's the limit for that guy. He was a five star recruit for a reason and he looks the part. I mean, yes. he, he will impress anybody getting off the bus yep. on game day. Um, I think you're going to see him, Daniel George, Dan Chisena, Weston Carr. They're going to play a lot of these guys, and Matt Kippenham will be involved. James Franklin even gave Cam Sullivan Brown a shout out <laughs> yesterday on Tuesday. So, He's going to play twelve guys somehow. I mean, yeah, obviously somebody went. Somebody's probably yeah. wound up being unhappy with how many reps they get, but I don't really envision um, a situation where KJ Hamler, Jahan Dotson, and Justin Shorter are on the field for. 90% of Penn State snaps. Yeah. Now, Kate Hamler and Dotson might come fairly close to that. I just don't, I see Penn State having a few guys for that outside bigger receiver role, um, beside just for now. Look, he could go out in the first game against Idaho, catch three touchdown passes and never come off the field. We just don't know. We haven't seen him in enough game action, but it's clear that, you know, Chisena has been getting buzzed since spring. Um, Westing Carr, they brought him in for a reason. They're going to use him somehow. He's a pretty big kid, even though he obviously has to adjust to the speed of the FBS level compared to Division Two. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mac Hippenhammer, we've seen him make a couple nice plays this uh, summer, and I think he's a guy that you know when he's on the field has made the most of his opportunities. And then you know, th- th- if they factor in some other guys, fine, so be it. But I have a hard time thinking they won't use at least six guys there, if not seven. Okay, uh, on the defensive side, one of the battles was at safety. Mm-hmm. Garrett Taylor returns, and James is really, really excited about Garrett's fifth year, the converted corner. Right, started last year. He's he's really, really talking up. Like you know, we didn't he didn't talk up Troy Apke this much, and we, we also but. Troy Apke did a couple of years ago. Right. And same with Nick Scott. He really likes Garrett Taylor, but who is going to be the safety to be opposite? And now they're, he's probably going to play four. Right. But Lamont Wade, who was briefly in the transfer portal, mm-hmm. has emerged with the job. The other, the other, uh, two safeties, Jonathan Sutherland and Jaquan Brisker. Yep. What do you make of Lamont Wade's offseason? And are you surprised that he about faced it with the transfer portal and then turned around and won the job? Yeah. Not only that, he was a corner, and now he's made right. the, the transition to safety. Yeah, I think that you know, with Lamont, there was always the talent there. It's just a matter of when his size, speed, and strength were going to be ready for showtime. And it looks like they are now. I agree with you. I think they're going to play Brisker. I think they're going to play Sutherland. Mm-hmm. I think Tim Banks was pretty adamant recently about being able to use all three of those or all four of those guys on the field in different ways. You know, this was almost like the quarterback battle. Yeah, Lamont Wade um, had to battle those guys for the job, but he clearly. 
clearly has, I think, the most game experience of all of them, even if a lot of that came on special teams. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's not a huge surprise. I do think that the pick makes sense. But, you know, just like a lot of these other guys on the roster, you got to actually go out and prove it once you are handed those keys. Um, some of these guys were very highly regarded recruits. Some of them have done some nice things, but not consistently at Penn State. I think he falls into that category as well. Okay, let's go through a couple other depth chart uh, moves. Just real quick, the dreaded or came up on the oh, depth chart. Uh, what Mike Miranda and CJ Thorpe, yep. they're listed kind of almost as co-starters. And uh, Miranda's also behind Manet at center. Yeah, it almost sounds like that. And Miranda was the, the backup to Steven Gonzalez, too. It right. almost sounds to me as if, if I don't know if Steven Gonzalez is going to play every snap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that he James Franklin just seems very clear. He says, we're going to play three. It, it doesn't necessarily sound like the Gonzalez will play every single rep, which I'm not sure if that will end up being the case or not, but it's certainly tea leaves are pointing that way. Um, and then the other big oars were the running backs. Yeah. Um, a couple of the notes. Shaka Tony is going to be the starting end opposite Etor Gross Matos. A little bit bigger. It looks like they really believe he can be a three down end. And I think that's, I think he's really a guy to watch this year. The more that he's on the field, I think the more he's capable yep. of making things happen. I don't know that he's just a pure pass rusher uh, anymore. Mm-hmm. I wanted to get your thoughts on um, – it's also – this is kind of a segue into our next segment, but a true freshman by the name of Keaton Ellis yeah. is running second-team corner. Mm-hmm. Trent Gordon is the other second-team corner. They're behind uh, John Reed and – help me out with the other guy real quick. Uh, it's Trent Gordon, Treat Castrofields, John Castro Reed. Fields. Yeah. How yeah. can I forget? Tariq Castro fields, but there was a, uh, the odd man out is Donovan Johnson. Not well, there's some speculation about him being hurt. Well, he's banged up a little bit in the spring. Yeah, and we he never looked really like he more. was pretty healthy this summer. I think that these guys might have caught him, and that surprised me a little bit. I thought in their in their four corner alignment or right. their four. They're too deep on each on each side that he would be in the mix, but it looks like Trent Gordon has made a nice little move, and they obviously like Keaton Ellis. Yeah, Gordon made a terrific play that we saw back at, or a couple weeks ago, and that again one play. But I think it's clear that he has really taken uh, the next step as a guy that came in here from Texas and needed to develop, but uh, he put the weight on and he added the speed, and I think that's made a world of difference. And with Keaton Ellis, I mean, talk about guys to get preseason buzz. How much more can this guy get? You know, they've been talking about him in a very, um, a very high way since December. And it really hasn't slowed down at all since National Signing Day to spring practice and now into summer camp. They just love what this kid can do. They're going to find a way to get him on the field. That, you know, that sub package that Brent probably likes to go to that brings an extra corner on. They're going to have any number of opportunities in a game to get him reps. There's little doubt in my mind why he was on part of that green light group that's going to play from the start because they clearly think this kid's special. Yeah, speaking of the green lights, James Franklin finally divulged the names that right. everyone's been waiting on with bated breath. The true freshman that, at least for the early part of the season, they're ramping up to play. Right. It was a little bit longer list than I thought, but uh, not a lot of huge surprises. A couple of the names that made it, uh, both running backs, Noah Kane, uh, Devin Ford, Brandon Smith, the linebacker, Lance Dixon, the linebacker, Caden Wallace, offensive lineman. That was interesting. Yeah. I think they really like him and they need a guy to push uh, Des Holmes as the third tackle, even though James was singing the praises of, of Des as well. Uh, Keaton Ellis, I'm not sure if there's anyone else. Carr, Weston Carr. Weston, well, he's not really. He yet. doesn't really count. I mean, Jordan it, Stout doesn't really count. Yeah, the place and, and, Brisk, and Brisker. Brisker, right. There's another guy, though, that I wanted to talk about. John Reed was asked about Joey Porter Jr. Yeah. Now, he hasn't been 
given the green light. But he's a long corner. I think he's a number three on the depth chart on the one side. Mm-hmm. And John Reed had some interesting things to say about him. He's the he's the son of Joey Porter, the the Pittsburgh Steeler, great outside linebacker. Uh, and that surprised me a little bit that he kind of moved up the depth chart. Yeah, I think James first mentioned him maybe two, three weeks ago as a guy that was doing some nice things in camp. And uh, yeah, I don't know how much they'll play him. He seems like one of those yeah. guys that we talked about. He'll get a couple games. Yeah, and it, I think it would make more sense toward the back end because you have your right. you have your corner set. And if you're going to play Keaton Ellis, then do you really need to you know burn another corner early you might as well save a guy like joey porter jr let him continue to develop and then you can get maybe one game early and then save the last you know three for the end of the year let's yeah. be honest Rutgers should be a game everyone gets to play and you and i might get to suit up for that the bowl game same thing so mm. yeah I, I think if they're going to sort of change their red shirt plan a little bit and save some guys the majority of their four games to the end of the year, I think he's a perfect candidate for that. Do you think that James and the coaching staff, it's one thing to say it and it's one thing to want to do it. Right. Do you think they're going to play both true freshman running backs, Noah Kane and Devin Ford? Yeah. If, if the, if the two veterans are healthy, if, if uh, Ricky Slade and Journey Brown stay healthy, is there enough opportunity to commit to playing both freshman running backs. I just think what Miles Sanders did last year is all the reason to just go ahead and play him yeah. because if these guys think they have any chance at all of being drafted after three years in college, yeah. they're going to go. I mean, Miles Sanders received so much praise during the evaluation process for how fresh he was, how few carries he had on his body at the college level. So if these guys get to a point, they're tremendous players. I think they both, you know, if they, if they reach the point we think they're going to reach, they're both going to be draft picks, right? So, I mean, if you think these guys are more than likely going to follow the, the miles method and just go after three years, if they have the opportunity to, then what's the point of waiting? What's the point of holding them back? I don't, they're not five year players. I, I just don't see that from either one of these guys. I mean, they wouldn't have came in and turned heads the way they did if they were mm-hmm. going to be here for five years. So you might as well get out of them what you can get out of them. I think with the new red shirt rule, with the way, the more and more kids leave early for the NFL. I, I kind of think we're past the point with a lot of guys of saying, let's see if we can get him here five years. Cause I just yeah. don't think that's realistic by that fourth year. You're either going to be, uh, get ready for the NFL or you're probably not going to continue playing football because you're going to graduate and realize you're not going to play. So that's where I'm at on the that. The two things that stood out the most to me when James was talking about the freshman was obviously Joey Porter Jr. and, and John Reed backing it up saying yeah. he's a lot faster than people realize. Yep. He's so long, he's almost got like the length of arms that offensive linemen have. It's, mm-hmm. it's really hard to get away from him. As much as James values length and speed, that really bodes well, I think, for Joey moving yep. forward. And then indirectly, uh, James was asked about uh, Rashid Walker. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know what? We debated playing him as a true freshman. And he's a kid that's 325 pounds. Right. And he almost looks skinny, which right. means they, they he could probably carry 340 right. pretty easily. But they said he's a lot like Caden Wallace. And now I think every week that's gone by in August, Greg, we have heard someone, whether it's a coach or a mm-hmm. player, say some really nice things about Caden Wallace. Yeah. There, there's no doubt in my mind that this guy is going to be a player at Penn State. I think they might debate playing him this year if anyone gets hurt, especially at tackle. I don't know if someone's going to need to get hurt. And the, the, just just the notion that when you when you were following him on the recruiting trail, did you always assume he was going to be a tackle, or did you think he might be a guard? No, nah, I foresaw guard yeah. more likely than not. I, I honestly don't think they're sold on 
Will Fry's out there. That's my, and that's, that's just, you know, yeah. the, from the outside in, he was in a rotation last year. Um, you're not really hearing anyone, you know, sing his praises fairly or unfairly. I just wonder if, you know, if things are like they were a year ago where it was, you know, really good one game, not so good the next, really good one, you know, is Des Holmes, you know, how many times we've heard Des Holmes, James Franklin say when he punches heavy hands, heavy hands. Heavy yeah. hands. Um, you know, how many times have we heard that this spring and summer? So, you know, Will Fry is going to be the starter there, and hopefully he takes the next step and really owns that position. But if not, it sounds like there's two guys, young guys, that are pretty darn hungry that are uh, waiting in the wings. We'll, we'll know soon enough. I don't know that Idaho will be a true indicator of Will Fry's uh, development right. in the offseason. Well, if, yeah, well, if, if it is the uh, <laughs> if it is in the incorrect way, then it's there's a problems. negative indicator. Yeah. Then yes, right. Caden Wallace will be playing sooner rather than later. Okay. That's most of what we wanted to get to, but we're not going to leave. Right. We're not leaving until we do the Penn State mailbag. It's it's a law now, I think, around here. So get, let's get to it. All right. Who will Penn State regret losing most by the time December rolls around the season ends? Tommy Stevens or Josh Gaddis? Ooh, that is a really good question. Especially on the spot. Ooh, huh? I'm going to give us. I'm going to lean a slight way towards Josh Gaddis. I think Sean Clifford's going to have a big year. Okay. So does that mean Ricky Ronnie doesn't have a big year, or is it just Josh Gaddis? You, you maybe pick one. You made me pick one. There was no great explanation, though. Uh, I just think I just think that Sean Clifford is going to be one of the better quarterbacks in the Big Ten by the end of the year, and I think that Ricky Ronnie uh, still has some growing to do. Um, but I, 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 it's like fifty-five, forty-five for me. I'm going to go. I'm going to go Gaddis, and we'll we're going to know we'll know when those these two teams play in October. You're going to be writing bold predictions this week for the Penn Live Football I'm Insider. Not, do not ask me to tip my hand. Uh, give me one. Maybe a uh, thing, not not necessarily the bold predictions you're going to write about, but give me one thing that you'll be watching for Saturday that maybe is a little bit off the beaten path. That, off the beaten path. Yeah, I mean, I think we all want to see how Sean Clifford performed. Mm-hmm. We all want to see what the running back split is, how many receivers get to play. You know, I, I'm fascinated to see what Jesse Lucchetta does with the first half to start in place of Cam Browns yeah. after he's suspended from the targeting ejection in the Citrus Bowl. Yes, yeah. at the first half. So, but they're a little bit more obvious is there anything off the beaten path that you can point to yeah so idaho you know they're 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 going to take their lumps at some point during this game this is not an appalachian state that's waiting to jump on penn state and maybe steal it late this is team that struggled on the fcs level last year um they have some guys back but one thing that uh, they struggle especially on defense i think their offense is going to have their moments at some point they're going to try and throw the ball they like a couple of receivers so for me I just want to see a little bit more Tariq Castro Fields, and I want to see what happens when Penn State's probably going to play some four-two-five. Like, yeah. how, how are they going to align that? Who's going to be the who's going to be the star uh, guy they go with? Um, so well, I guess what I'm really trying to say is of all the freshmen, uh, that are going to play, I think in this game, I'm really anxious to see just how good, uh, Keaton Ellis is. Cause I think he is a guy. I just remember they talked about John Reed before he debuted. They talked about Grant Haley before he debuted. Yep. Both players became very good quickly. I think Keaton Ellis is a little bit bigger a version of both of them. And he might even be, uh, John Reed's not going to want to hear this, but in terms of body type, I think he's got a chance to be a really, really good player at Penn State. So my my answer to your question is I'm going to be watching him and especially the corner and in the corners overall. Last question. Yes or no? Penn State will be up 21 or more points at halftime on Saturday against Idaho at Beaver Stadium. Uh, that's a, that is a serious yes. 
Okay, there you um, have it. They might, they might, there might be a little give and take in the first fifteen to twenty minutes, but I do think that at some point the passing game is going to click. They're not going to mess up on special teams. You know, if that, ha- I just don't see them having a lot of success against the Penn State defense, other than maybe a couple of, of plays early in the game. So, I mean, I know the line. What's the line? You, you're the line guy. Thirty-seven and a half, Bob. I mean, again, I, I'm not going to. This is not foreshadowing, but I don't know. That that would be a good. I, I don't. I don't see the the visitors really at the end of the game being within thirty seven and a half. All right, it's a solid segue on the podcast after the break. Picks and predictions coming up next. And if you're watching online video on YouTube, it's youtube.com slash all Penn State for more Penn State videos and our picks. Welcome back into the Penn State Blitz. Uh, we're going to close strong. It's time to give our predictions. I'm not really sure what Greg Pickle's thinking right now, uh, but I have a pretty good idea But I'm, that I'm going to be a lot closer to the final margin than he is. Greg, week one, we're going to keep a, a strong tally of this. We always say we're going to do it. Yep. Uh, I don't know that we always follow through. It. No. But let's talk about this game. It's not really going to be very close. I think, right. I think you're going to agree with me on this. The line's like 37 and a half. It actually jumped up a point and a half. It's going to probably hit 40 by kickoff. <laughs> I yeah. mean, I, I have to go back yeah. and look and see if Penn State's ever been a 40 point favorite. They've played some dog non-conference games yeah. in the last 19 years. So I imagine they probably have been close, but 40 is a lot of points, man. Home away, non-conference. FBS, FCS, whatever. That is a lot of points to lay. Idaho Vandals from the Big Sky Conference. Yep. Moscow, Idaho. Nothing like it. Yeah. Nothing quite like it. I don't know that I'd want to be there in winter. I don't know. I don't know. So really want to, you want to be I don't really love summer? State College yeah. in winter. But as you look at this game, like there's not probably a lot of analysis that needs to be, to be done. There's not really a key matchup, but first game. A lot of people uh, making their first uh, appearance either as a starter yep. or as a freshman at Beaver Stadium. We've heard a lot about Penn State's defense. Uh, we don't know a lot about their freshman yet. We don't know quite a lot about uh, Sean Clifford. So what do you think? What's, what's, your, what's your gut reaction? Are you going to go out on a limb? Are you going to stay close to the number? What What do you got for me? Yeah, I look at this game and it just kind of chuckled the fact that Idaho doesn't have its return leading returning tackler. I mean, what what more can go wrong for uh, for what the guy's name Paul Petrino yeah. and his coaching staff for this one? They don't have their leading tackler. They do return. I mean, a decent um, amount of offensive line starts. And I think that's what I'll be most interested in watching. Um, not just Penn State's offensive line, Bob, but just what Penn State's defensive line. We know what Etor can do. We have a pretty good idea what Shaka can do. We've seen Robert Windsor in action. Mm-hmm. But this is – if Appalachian State was a test of the entire team – this, I think, could be a test of Penn State's defensive line because these guys are pretty big, this Idaho front. Now, don't get me wrong. They're not five-star recruits, but they're experienced. They've, you know, they've played a lot of football together, so they're pretty cohesive. And I think that could go a long way in giving Penn State some maybe some early issues. But if these guys are as good as we think they are, they're being talked about as maybe one of the best defensive lines of the Franklin era. Mm-hmm. And then they should have no issue solving whatever this Idaho defense throws at them. So to me, it's a blowout. What do we say? 40, 58 and a half on the total. I, I am hard pressed to think it's going to be close. I have it 55, seven Penn state. I'm not convinced Idaho scores, but every time I picked a shutout last year, I got 
caught late and they would kick a field goal or get a breakaway touchdown and my shutout would be ruined. So I went with seven for the Vandals. <laughs> it should be a fourth quarter heavy on players that are uh, maybe making their debut as freshmen, maybe uh, are just a little bit further down the depth chart, but getting a chance to play because it's such a blowout. I mean, I just i am hard pressed to see any way that Idaho stays in this game by halftime, let alone any later than that. Yeah. For me, I just want to, uh, I'm really fascinated to see how the passing game is going to work. Yeah. Now I know it's not going to be indicative of what it, they're capable of doing down, you know, down the line against better secondaries, better pass rushes. You know, when Michigan State, Michigan, even Pitt for that matter, when when they when they come to town or when Penn State's got to go out there. But I just think that when I want to keep track of maybe the explosive plays in this game because I think Penn State's going to get them right, and not not just through the air but on the ground as well. 20 or more yards. You usually during the course of a game, if you get against a good team, four or five, you know, it kind of bodes well for you if you protect the ball. I mean, I have to think that, uh, even when they go to the reserves, you know, when, when Noah Kane and Devin Ford are your are reserve running backs, when you're, when not you, a bad problem when, to have. When you talk about some of the receivers that Penn State has, like Daniel George, mm-hmm. who caught a 95 yard touchdown pass last year, they just, Mac Hippenhammer, um, you know, Will Levis, I'm sure is dying to get in there right. and, and show. I just think that you're going to see between eight and 10. Uh, and I think you're going to see a couple of really long, long gainers. Just before we get to your pick, um, what do you think the the balance is with James Franklin when it comes to Clifford and Levis? What is the point where you don't want to put Levis in, I yeah. think, too early? You don't want to take chances for Sean Clifford to see things away, to learn things away. But you getting your backup quarterback work in a game like this is paramount if he ever has to come in. But this isn't necessarily a, a perfect situation for that because you just named one guy the starter, what, five days ago? Uh, I would expect Sean's going to play at least three quarters regardless of the score. Well, James, if it, James talked about the fact that um, he needs experience too. This is the guy that called a timeout to ice the Georgia State yeah, kicker. I was just, just going to say up, that. Yeah. Up really, really uh, to, to, avert, to avert a shutout. Um, he can't help himself. He's going to want to get him. I, I think that it could make it even more lopsided because even if you hand the ball off, that's no guarantee that Penn State won't have a big play. I think he's going to play three quarters, but I would hope that early in the fourth quarter, uh, he would, he would, he would really empty the benches and give, give Will a shot. I know he's, he's just not really wired that way. Right. Hopefully there'll be some people in his ear. 59 13, Penn State. I think that the, the defense might get caught off guard a little bit early as they adjust just to what they're trying to do. Uh-huh. But, um, and then I think then maybe that, that, uh, Idaho will score very late in the game or kick a field goal late in the game just to try and, uh, make it interesting. But I think, I think Penn State should be able to name their score 59-13. Two covers, like 46. Two overs. I think, I think it's a comfortable cover. I'd be surprised between the way they're talking about the defense uh, and Penn State's offense wants to get on track, especially right. in passing game. I think it's a pretty good opportunity for Penn State, uh, for Penn State betters. We can talk about that because it's legal now, right? That's right. Yes. It's perfectly within our right. Uh, this to me looks like you're like, you're right. I think you could probably make this game in the low forties. I would still probably take a swing at Penn State as well. So I'm going to say 59 13. So I'm going over. Yep. And I'm going Penn State with taking the, not taking the points, laying the points. Right. You are doing the same. You're going yes. over 55 7. Any other picks this week? Uh, I got no other picks this week. I'm dying. I'm just dying to see what Dave Jones says, though. 
I love Stanford. Just want to throw that out there. Love Stanford this week. Is this going to be a thing now? You're going to give us bonus um, picks? I don't. Yeah, I just just in case, just in case we need it. Stanford's um, playing uh, nat, uh, Northwestern. Northwestern. Yep. And uh, what can they set the total low enough in Rutgers Howard? Um, <laughs> I think that's who it's. If Rutgers, no, I'm sorry, Rutgers UMass, I believe is what it is. The Jarvis Miller game, but um, you do yeah. know that as you under under under, you're you're letting the good folks know that the fact that you're taking a hard look at the Rutgers UMass game, it's a little bit of a look deep into your psyche. I'm just as far as maybe just kind of what what kind of uh, are some of the things you look forward to in life. So it's a little troubling, but I like the fact that you gave out a Rutgers UMass. Under Penn State fans, you can make of that what you will, but I would say that you've you've taken a good long look at this, and I I am now gonna I th- I'm going to demand an obscure weekly pick, pick. an go. obscure weekly pick. Why every, overs, baby? Every week because if we're talking about Rutgers UMass, I have I can't wait for next week. All right, so that's a wrap for the podcast. Yes, the video, all of it, and we'll be back. We're going to be back next week to talk about more gambling.